This morning's Old Testament reading comes to us from the book of the prophet Jeremiah in the 31st chapter, beginning at verse 7 and continuing through verse 14. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written, For thus saith the Lord, Sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, the woman with child and the one who labors with child. Together, a great throng shall return there. They shall come with weeping and with supplication. I will lead them. I will come to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Therefore, he shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock and the herd. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning to joy and comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. This morning's New Testament reading, some familiar verses from the opening of the gospel according to John in the first chapter, the opening four verses this morning. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. As I begin this morning, let me do so by wishing each and every one of you Here in this place, as well as those of you who are tuning in from a myriad of places far and wide to this morning's broadcast, a most happy new year. One of the joys that I experience in the life of the church is this opportunity to to gather with fellow inquirers, either in purpose, in person, or via technology, fellow inquirers who are curious about God and who care to know the Creator better, who are 
committed, shall we say, to the Christian life. Where else, after all, do we have a chance to discuss the, the big questions of life with such depth? Now, reading the first few verses in the prologue, as they call it, to the Gospel of John, invites us to have just these sorts of holy discussions. And appointed as the reading is for this first Sunday of the year, I think it sets a, a wonderfully invitational tone for the 51 weeks that are to follow. Let us meditate on the significance of what the gospel writer is conveying to us. All these years hence, his message remains the same. It's just as important and it is just as true today as it was when it was first written. And we don't generally spend much time considering God. I would venture to say that our ancestors in the faith might well have done more of it, and perhaps that's due in part to the pace of our modern life, when we are so absorbed, so occupied, so consumed in every waking moment by distractions, distractions of work, of family, and of other obligations, that we fill up our hours with busy work. When we do find ourselves confronted with circumstances that provoke us to give some consideration to God, more often than not, it's out of desperation, sort of a last resort, a place where we wind up rather than a place where we start, rather than a beginning. Even for those who are semi or fully retired or who have lost their jobs as a result of the economic downturn and government restrictions that have been placed on commerce, we have become pretty skilled at finding things to do to keep us from having downtime. Now, I am fortunate in my job that I am required to spend at least some time each week in scripture and considering theological questions. Else, I'm afraid I would spend far time, far less time wrestling with them. But the time that we spend wrestling with these questions is time well spent. It is very good work to consider the nature of God as the one who existed first and the one who continues to be preeminent in all creation. It helps to put things in perspective. In good times and in years like the one just past. On this, the beginning Sunday of the beginning month, which is the beginning of a new year, it seems appropriate that we reflect on the beginning of a gospel which itself is reflecting on the beginning. The beginning, which our author harkens back to, is the beginning of beginnings. You can't go back further than this beginning. It's the beginning of all things. It's nigh on impossible for us to get our our little human brains around, but he's talking here about God's time, a time before all human beginnings. 
And as far back as we can think or imagine, there we find God and Him at work. Just as we found God last year. Just as we find God this year. Just as we will continue to find God in the rest of our years indeed. As all of history will find at its end. One year ago, not many have, could have accurately predicted what the incoming year, 2020, would have looked like. Things, I would venture to say, probably looked a far bit different than most anyone could have imagined they would. We were wrong in our predictions on just about everything. It seems much has changed over the last 12 months, but there's one thing that hasn't changed. God is the same as he was in the beginning. So as we enter into the year in which we can finally say that 2020 is truly hindsight, much has changed, but much more has not. The same God who has existed since the beginning is the same God who breathed all things into existence, is the same God who put on flesh and dwelt among us, is the same God who was made known to the shepherds and the wise men, is the same God who lived and died and was raised in power and reigns for us even today. All things came into being through him. We read this again in our text from John's Gospel this morning. Another way of saying this is that from the beginning, all things owe their existence to God. Not one thing ever that was created came into being without the agency of God. Without Him, nothing came into being on its own or ex nihilo from nothing, in the same breath in which the text tells us that God was before the beginning of time, ahead of time, the first thing that existed. It tells us that God was first in order of importance. Everything was created through him. This places him at the top of the heap. He is ahead of all things and he is the head of all things. Well, I don't expect 2021 to look significantly different from 2020. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Uh, I know that there won't be a general election and all the fun and shenanigans that surrounds that. And I continue to be comforted by the knowledge that the forces that conspire to bring us the many fronts of misery that we have become acutely reacquainted with in this last year do not, have not, and never shall have the final word. Rather, it is God who has the final word, just as it was God who had the first word. Just as it is this same God who sent us that word so that we might hear it, we might understand it, we might see it, we might relate to it, to it with as much clarity as our humanity will allow. We have heard the word 
We have seen the word and it remains firmly in place and firmly in charge. A down payment and a guarantee of covenant faithfulness which will endure as long as we measure years and beyond. It comes to us from the author of life, ours and everyone else's, from the one who passed judgment on his creation, declaring it good, and who continues to refine his handiwork to reflect his glory. He has filled the void with substance, and he has deigned to call us forth as stewards of what he has made. He tamed the chaos of the deep, and he made a hospitable home for us to inhabit, indeed, a garden unlike any other. He flooded the darkness with light from without and came into the world to illuminate it from within. He has placed a spark of that same light into us and he invites and encourages us to shine it forth as our own testimony to the grandeur of his unquenchable light. As we turn our calendars forward to a new year, what better time than to turn our attention once more to beginnings and to the unmatched author of those beginnings? One of the most scandalous yet reassuring points made here in this opening to the gospel according to John is the closeness that exists in the bond between the divine and the mortal. Here we are not only introduced or reintroduced, for this God that we read about is the very same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whom the Old Testament has filled its pages familiarizing us with. We were reacquainted with this God as both the Creator, but also as the Redeemer of all things, in fulfillment of this prophecy that we read this morning from Jeremiah. Many faiths have creation stories and they are designed to explain how it is that things that we see around us today came into being. Science as a a belief system in and of itself has its own creation stories. But none but the biblical account tells us of a powerful craftsman who made all that is, seen and unseen, and then cared so much for it that he came both to dwell with mankind and to give so dearly of himself to save us from the wages of our own rebelliousness, to help us in our unbelief, to strengthen us in our struggles, to set us aright when we had strayed, this God intervened. In the generation just before Francis McKemmy arrived here at Rehoboth, a chaplain to Oliver Cromwell by the name of Thomas Manton beautifully wrote these words. He said, Christ is the living Bible. We may read much of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, we shall study no other book when we come to heaven. This God is not only far superior, far above what he has fashioned, 
But he has also humbled himself to take part in all of its messiness. This is worth not only studying and considering, but also supremely worthy of acting upon. So as we enter in yet another year that has been granted us by the providence and mercy of our Creator, I invite us to rededicate ourselves to spending the days allotted us, engaged in the practices of obedience and gratitude which flow from the heart of the children of the Most High, the one who has loved us from the time he conceived to form us in the beginning. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.